Hey, this is Bill Touch. And Eric Touch with Touch Knives, and you're listening to Bladeology Podcast. Jump into it like we do every week. Mm-hmm. Welcome to another episode of the Bladeology podcast. We're on with a, a special guest this week, uh, Adam. Uh, this is this is Jeremiah from PBK Vegas. Nick Chuprin of NCC Knives. And Elijah Isham of Isham Bladeworks. And I am uh, Adam Heibel of Heibel Knives. Awesome! Uh, super cool to have you on. Let, let, let's get into it a little bit. You just you just got a CNC and you're. Um, Adam, you're getting into a, a production run uh, of Valley Songs. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I've been looking at getting a CNC for about a year and a half now. Just been on the lookout for, you know, whenever the opportunity arose, I'd be I'd be ready to roll it right into it. And so I got one this summer. I was basically planning on whatever income I got from Blade Show, just put it all towards a new investment of a CNC, whatever I could afford. And, I ended up picking up a used Tormach 1100M, um, and I found a good deal, and I just I just pulled the trigger and bought it, and been really uh, diving into it this summer. Spent a lot of time, you know, coding, learning CAM, figuring all the ins and outs of CNC work, and uh, I've had little background on it. Uh, I had one small class in college that was a machining class. It happened to be my favorite. Um, but uh, as far as that goes, that yeah, that's it's all new to me, and I'm I'm loving it so far. Wow. Okay. So you're really you're just this is it. I mean, you're you're jumping in uh, full fledged on this. So you, a little little bit of uh, a little bit of teaching before, but really you're just kind of learning as you're going here. Yeah. So a few years back, I you know, I got a manual mill. You know, just a little grizzly manual mill and so i've had a couple of years experience under my belt manually machining you know steels titanium you know other composites and stuff so i have some material science background and you know as far as like how things cut and the science behind it uh, but as far as the whole world of you know computer numeric control and everything that's that's new to me but it, it's coming pretty easy I'm i'm understanding it and i'm loving it yeah, you seem like you're picking that up pretty quick. Yeah, so I mean, I I got it mid July, I believe, and I made three prototypes so far. My first design, Valley Song, and they are they're spot on what I had imagined, and so that's you know just under just under two months. So I'm not I'm not really trying to rush it. I've just really spent a lot of overtime and put in way probably way too much time than i should have in the, in the past two months but it's just because i enjoy it so much but yeah i remember when i got mine it was very intimidating i'm like oh this is gonna take me forever and same thing it just kind of it just kind of clicked it kind of went along pretty smoothly and then four years later is when things not going smooth because you start to want to try cooler shit <laughs> yeah right yeah and uh I, I was a little intimidated at first because I didn't know how to control them. I didn't know how to program, but with uh, the technology these days, you know, learning Fusion and the it's a nice thing that it's free, you know, for new users. 
So I just got right into modeling, and I have a pretty good background in SolidWorks because that's what I I took SolidWorks class in college, and then for years designing my custom knives, I used SolidWorks just as like a layout uh, design space. And so I have some 3D modeling background, and so I just jumped right into Fusion and started playing with tool paths. And you know, it's really, really convenient and helpful that. Uh, there's programs like that that are available to most people, and it just does all the programming for you mm. for the most that's, part. That's, <laughs> that's, that's an excellent segue. Um, in, 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 it sounds too easy. So how, how, long, uh, how long have you been making knives for? Um, I made my first knife in 2014, which was a year out of high school. So I was 18 years old. And, uh, what, kind, what kind of knife was it? Was it a value off the bat or <laughs> no? It was uh, just a simple fixed blade, yeah, with my Carta handles, one fifty four CM blade. And how'd hmm. you hear about like how'd you hear about custom knives or just like how did how did it come into your realm of knowledge? Yeah, so I guess now we're getting into a little bit of like the history of how I got started and everything, and I really had no exposure. To the custom knife world I thought like $200 for a knife was insane like why would anyone pay 200 bucks for a knife especially because early on I was into ballet songs and I wanted a bench made for Christmas you know and I was still in high school and that was like the only present I got because it was you know way out of my budget but you know I got it for Christmas and it was just awesome then I just started playing with you know tricks and stuff and so I was into ballet songs before I started making knives, but I started with fixed blades. So that's, that's far. That's a good, good way to get into it, right? Benchmade is a, a sort of ever ever present uh, ballet song maker, always always there, always has been. Mm-hmm. Now, and Adam, how did you uh, get into ballet songs? I want to ask real quick. Like you said, you got into knives like kind of late in the game, but how did you get into specifically ballet songs? Well, I guess back in middle school was the time frame. Mm-hmm. I played just some like small handheld video games on PSP. And there was one player in particular that had a YouTube channel. And he did a lot of tricks with the Bally song. And that was before I had, didn't, didn't even have one. Um, so I just mm-hmm. bought a cheap China Bally song for like 10, 20 bucks or whatever. And then I ended up getting a few more after that because, you know, I liked learning tricks and stuff. Because um, I thought the the art of flipping it around and, and stuff was fun uh, and a neat idea. So I wanted to try my hand at it. I, w- I was never the best. I learned a few tricks, but I kind of um, kind of gave up flipping after hmm. I cut up my fingers too much. So Yeah. You gave it up and you started making them. Yeah, right. <laughs> I let my customers do the flipping now. There you go. Interesting. Did you, did you ever get into like modding them? Um, as as a uh, as getting into ballet songs, I know a, a lot of guys end up um, getting getting them and then they mod them and then they eventually turn into uh, like grinding and making them. Did you ever mod them or no. straight into making? No, I skipped that step. I had literally no idea that people modded ballet songs. I didn't know. Besides a couple of the really popular names, I didn't even know people made custom ballet songs. That's how <laughs> that's how out of touch I was with the you know with the knife community and 
you know, as far as the art of making knives was like, I literally with no uh, prior knowledge, I just, I took my bench made and my couple other cheap China knives and went out to my dad's shop and just started making my idea of what I would want a ballet song to be. And then I, I started posting about it on social media and, you know, it took a while, but I gained a following and people started liking my work. And I was like, whoa, you know, there's actually a lot of people out here that that are really into this as much as I am. And so that's what kind of drove me. Tell me a little bit about um, your your first sale. We, we we ask guys that sometimes. So you, you made the knife, and then did you did you sell it on on social media, or did you sell it to someone you knew in person? How, how did that? How did you sort of navigate that? Yeah. So that was. Let's see. I made. It was the second ballet song I ever made. I made it with stainless steel liners, carbon fiber handle scales. Um, I can't remember if it was a A E B L blade or one fifty four, but I I didn't make it to sell. Um, and someone just contacted me on uh, Instagram, you know, asking if he could buy it. So I was like, yeah. Uh, so it, that's kind of where it went. I don't really remember a whole lot of the interaction, but. Um, it, it was pretty rewarding to to find someone right away who was wanting to pay for my work. And at that time, I was selling ballet songs for like 250, 300 bucks because, well, that's how, that's what I sold my first one for. And it's cheap, cheaper than that, a bench made. <laughs> that was a lot. Like, yeah, a little mm-hmm. compared to some bench maids, it's cheaper, but it was more than the value of the one bench made I had. And it was just a. It was pretty neat. Hmm. Oh, I imagine it's it's great to get to get feedback from people and to and to find someone who's willing to to part with that money for for a knife is uh. I mean that's that's got that that's some self confidence that that's well needed, you know, to put into that craft. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then I think my second sale led to like three or four more sales from the same guy, and that just caught me way off guard. Like I'm like. This is insane. I did not expect this, but you know, all right, I, I'll keep making them and you know selling them. This is really, this is really cool. So then I just now, how long after you started and you made some sales, it took you to go full time? I was just about to ask that. Yeah. Um. Well, I went full time starting this year. So I was. So I started making knives a year out of high school. I went right into college. I was a full-time college student for the next four years, getting my Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering and living at home, uh, about 15-minute commute to college. So all of my spare time, you know, while I'm not at class or on campus, I was making knives. And it wasn't until a couple years after college, which is now, a few years now, um, that I went full-time because I'd, I even had an engineering job that I decided to part with and pursue knife making instead. And I was part-time uh, knife making, part-time knife or uh, engineer, um, even split last year. So I quit my job last year and I, I went full-time in January. 
No, I, I didn't get. I didn't. I didn't get that for a second. Did you get your degree, your bachelor's degree, or your degree for engineering? Yeah, yeah, I graduated in uh, 2017 with a bachelor's degree. Okay, so we had a pretty much exact, like similar path. I was in school for mechanical engineering, but like, I just, I, I just, I was ahead because of how my school used to work. Yeah. So I, I left, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna give this two years full time. Before I go back to school, because I was two years ahead, I graduated high school at Associates. Okay. So similar thing. Uh, that's interesting. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know you were in school for engineering. You actually got that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I do love engineering, but you know, just a, a desk job wasn't cutting it for me, especially after I found my passion, which was making knives. And I mean, if I didn't have this passion to making knives, I'm sure I'd still be back, you know, with an engineering job and you know, somewhat liking what I did, but I, I couldn't sit at a desk every day and uh, go a full day without thinking, you know, at my shop, I got to, I got to do this. I got to work on this blade, thinking different blade shapes, <laughs> different that's, handle designs, <laughs> different, you know, ideas just popping around. That's pretty funny. That was literally, that was literally, that was literally me right after high school. I, yeah. I couldn't get through school because I was thinking about those knives. I'm like, huh, if I do this, I do this. And I was like, okay. And then yeah. I realized how much of a desk job my job would have been for the first 10 years. And that just kind of geared me off of that whole thing. Because I thought mechanical engineers go out of the field. And like, like one of my professors is like, you don't really go in the field for like your first 10 years. I was like, right. well, okay, I'm reconsidering all this now. <laughs> yeah, it, it was very hard to stay focused while I was in college. Because through that whole time, I was making knives and growing my business. I was making a pretty decent amount of sales at that point, too. And I'm... You know, still trying to get it, keep up a good GPA and graduate in four years. And it was, I could probably say that's one of the toughest things I've ever done. It was <laughs> get that you know, the, ir the irony is now that you have a CNC, you're going to fall into the same thing I did. The more I got comfortable making nice custom, I would be like, oh, this is great. This is not an S job. I'm working with my hands. So I always wanted to do. And then once I got a CNC, the more you start learning, the more complex your, your fixtures get, your catalog gets. And now, like, I'm at my desk uh, two or three days out of the week. Like for yeah. full, like shifts, it's like, oh goddamn, I'm back to this job. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because there's so much like behind the scenes work that needs to be done on, you know, computer and just everything. Yeah. <laughs> Especially funny. with you guys with CNC, you gotta write your cam and everything. Yeah, yeah. That, it's like so, time there's so much new shit that like sometimes I'll have to sit there and just spend hours learning a new feature because I'm like, I have to do this thing and I don't know how to do it. So I gotta figure out this new feature or like so we're using a fairly new program. It's so like every three or four months, like just now, I just got on it for the first time in seven days. And they just did a freaking entirely new update. And I don't know how to do half the shit that I used to do. Yeah. That's the problem with using Fusion because it's new and they keep changing shit every four months. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I remember there was an update once like a year and a half ago where literally I couldn't even finish a, a program. Like a program I had ready, I couldn't even figure out how to upload it to the machine. It, it just changed. So I was like, well, none of this is, seems right anymore. And then that kind of that kind of messes with you for like a day or two. Yeah, I've encountered a lot of software glitches with, with you know Fusion and other things where it's like either crashed my machine or really done something I wasn't expecting, which to, it That's makes me That's yeah. Fusion. Well, <laughs> Fusion has had glitches too, but both of them combined <laughs> really yeah, I've, makes I've me slow down, machine. step back, and no, think I, about it. I never had the machine just do anything like. Every time a machine does something, like I always like to would like to blame the machine, but it's always user error. Like the guys that always say, like everyone I always talk to that has a host never said that. Everyone that I ever talked to who has a Tormach and uses Pathpilot or Mach three, 
from Mach 4, they're always like, yeah, Fusion kind of tells the machine to do weird things that I don't know what happened. I'm like, no, they just, the, 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 tool, the patch pilot or whatever you're using is like missing steps. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's not really a Fusion thing. It's like, I've never had that. Fusion crashes on me like 18 times a day, though. That's pretty Right, yeah. There's that. Mm. But I heard if you get like a super overclocked computer, it only crash about two, three times a day. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't figure that one out yet. So I'm using it with the CNC, but like, yeah, I've had it crash a lot. Just playing around. What was the point where you were where you were making knives by hand, and, and there were you? Did you have a book at some point? You said, okay, there's there's so many names on this book that I'm I'm gonna do a production run, or was there just sort of there was enough interest that you sort of you were like, okay, this is this is the time. Um, I never really had a super extensive list of custom orders at any one time. I mean, it was pretty steady, you know input and output as far as things go. But what drove me to do the, you know, production ballet song is there's, so there's a lot, a lot larger number of people who can, you know, afford a, you know, a knife that's a much lower price point. And especially with the, uh, the, the younger generation who are really into flipping these knives, um, well, they're younger and they, they can afford a, a cheaper knife, so I'm I'm trying to get my ballet songs into more people's hands, not just the the high end collectors and people that have the cash to spend money on a custom. Um, and yeah, so that combined with my interest in CNC and machining, just you know, as another avenue to pursue, that's that's where I went with that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, we, we throw around that, that word production, but I, obviously I, I don't think that the Valor is going to be a, it's not a traditional production. It's, it's, we should call it more of like a, of a run. Because you're, are you still, um, you, you're milling this all out in-house. You're doing, you're doing everything for this knife yourself. I mean, it's not like you're, you're farming this, this work out to, to anybody. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't consider it fully production knife. Um, I guess the proper term could be mid-tech where I'm doing a lot of stuff in-house. Um, I, I do have um, two employees. I, not technically, but I have two people working in my shop full-time for me, and one of them is going to be running the CNC, and the other helps me a little bit on my customs and has some involvement on on uh, the production stuff. Um, so I'm I'm technically not doing everything. At this point, I am. with I'm involved in everything, but eventually... There will be parts that are outsourced and things that that I won't have direct uh, attention to, but yeah, you, you're right. It's not right now fully a production because I'm, it's all being done in house. But compared to what I have been doing, that's why I called it, you know, my first production. Yeah, no, the the designs before are all, are all uh, every every time I've gotten a delivery from you, it's always extremely impressive. The uh, the amount of of styles. And, and flavor in there is always pretty great. Uh, your, your handle designs tend to be something totally out of the box, which is sort of rare. In my world, a lot of people, you know, they just sort of follow a theme, whereas, um, whereas definitely your, your handle designs and, and patterns are, are always pretty, pretty interesting, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks. I, I try to keep things fresh, keep things new. Um, always looking to you know integrate different 
different styles. And of course, with my custom knives, it's all done manually on a, you know, a small manual mill. So sometimes people get that, you know, they think that now that I have a CNC, you know, everything I do is computerized and I don't never touch it, but that's, that's completely false. I'm, you know, still doing custom knives, which, um, I'm willing to bet that's going to change within the year. You're you're willing to bet it's going to change? Yeah, you're going to start getting to the point. It's like I have this machine, and why the hell is it not just making this? Like you're going to you're going to like do the basic like bare bone stuff, like how I started, like do all the counterbore stuff like that. Like I still hand grind my blades four years down. I don't yeah. like to mill them. Like you're going to start like incorporating that into the customs because it's like anyone who can counterbore bearing, like anyone who can counterbore pockets, just let the machine do that. <laughs> I'll I'll do all the hand sculpting. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't make sense for business. You have this machine. Like, you're going to start, like, I, I did the same thing. I was like, oh, I'm going to keep this model, keep that model in, like, a year. And I was like, yeah, that makes no sense for business. Yeah. So Especially when I, you have a CNC like that, yeah. Let it do I, the grunt work for you. Ideally, I'd have two machines. But right now, my, you know, my Tormach is set up just for this new model. And so if I were to set up, set it up for, like, custom knives where I integrate different designs in every single one and a little, little different twist on each one. It'd, it'd take a lot of extra time to, you know, set up, set it up and for the programming. And, Cause I don't uh, you'll, get, you'll get quicker at it. Yeah. Um, now you mind me asking how much you paid for your machine? Cause I saw when you first got it, you like all the paint was all chipped off of it. You kind of repainted the thing, scraped it all down. Yeah, it was, um, I, I don't know if I want to say a number, <laughs> yeah, totally reasonable that's uh yeah i just wasn't a yeah, good deal or like yeah like like because i i rarely see tor- like in my area there's never tour box for sale that's was, why like i'm not familiar with the secondary value of this it was only a year old it was manufactured in 2018 i, I probably got it 25 percent off or 20 percent off a uh, new price as the tool changer and everything already installed i got you. Yeah, drive. The model. yeah the yeah it's the m2 so I, I compared it with you know the pricing on the website and basically the guy uh, wanted to get rid of it not because it was a bad machine but he didn't have enough space in his garage for an extra machine because he wanted a, he wanted a different one and he wanted to have them both but he couldn't you know afford the space to have both so he just decided to sell the one and get a bigger one so so he just he kind of had to mark down the price a little bit and I luckily found it. A day later, on eBay, and and relatively close by, huh? Uh, no, actually, from Hawaii. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. Okay. okay. Didn't come further away. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. That's yeah. rare. You know, no one usually pays for freight from Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> well, he covered freight, which was very nice of him to do. So that. Um, okay, he was motivated to, to move. Yeah, that. yeah, and he he did great on boxing it up and the the packaging of it, and he arranged all the freight and took care of everything, and it was all well, included. That was generous. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Wow. I mean, that really. Uh, yeah, I mean the the CNC, the incorporation of CNC, definitely. You know, there's there's so many different aspects to. To, to knife making where it work and where it can help and certainly like like you were saying there's that perception of like well now you have a cnc you know you'll never hand make a knife ever again i mean it, it sounds like certainly there's a there's a possibility to incorporate you know more of what the machine does to help you make more knives um you, you think you'll ever 
and lose interest in, in making things by hand, or you think that's sort of that's where you start and that's that's part of the that's part of your process? Yeah, I, I don't think I'll ever lose interest in it. I I, I love the hand detail work. I hand, I love like manually, you know, cutting things and and involving myself in that. And you know, eventually maybe a more might integrate more into CNC stuff, but I I'm, I keep telling people that no, I'm going to be doing custom knives for a while still. Like, you know, don't think that I got a CNC now. I'm just going to quit making custom knives and doing a lot of stuff by hand. I I still love that that artistic uh, features that that I can do with custom knives by hand. Right on. Also, so without saying the number, don't say the number, <laughs> but uh, so the the. Mid tech run the Valor. You're you're so you're planning on doing a fair amount of those because it sounds like you want you want to get your hands or you want to get your knives in as many people's hands as possible at, at a great price. Yeah, um, but you're you're probably doing a fair amount of those. Totally freak out about missing them. Um, how, how are you planning on getting those out there? Um, so I I plan on uh, selling those through dealers. Um, just do large batches at a time. Uh. It, it like a mid tech price, uh, more production, mid tech price uh, through dealers, and so I don't really know beyond that. Uh, we still have to work some things out, but now, yeah. do you plan on uh, milling the bevels? Because I saw some that you milled the bevels, I saw some where you ground the bevels. Yeah, I'm gonna offer both both options. Um, we've found, we figured out some good cam paths for the for the bevels and i'd like to have that as a you know option you know kind of like some other people do like jeff dumas and uh, john grimsmo and there's a lot of people that do milled bevels but mm-hmm. I, I like to still offer a hand ground finish because a lot of people including myself like love the look of that and uh so i i'd, I'd like to include that as one of the combinations Right on. Now, is that going to match the the dress? Are you going to have a couple different different looks for it, um, or just sort of the the tumbled handles? Um. So, what do you mean by that? So, I mean, um, are you going to have like um, like anodized options for the handles with uh, milled bevels, like that? How many how many different uh, options will be available? If if you know right now for the. I- I, I don't know. That's uh, that's okay. something we've been talking about at my shop with me and the two guys about we don't want to offer too many options and then, you know, have stale inventory. I'd like to take a poll on Instagram at some point um, based off of the prototypes that we make, figure out the best combinations, the most popular styles, and then do, do a select few of those. Uh, so probably like a total of I don't want to give number, but quite quite a few different combinations, but not too many, you know, with anodizing included, you know, bead blasted, satin, uh, tumbled, hand ground, blackened, that kind of thing. All right. Yeah, that's a work in progress kind of thing. I know people have, uh, have definitely been getting pretty excited about, about that knife, so I'm, I'm sure that'll, uh, that'll go over pretty well. I'm trying to get people excited, <laughs> so that's that's what I intended on. Um, so I'm I'm pretty excited myself. I'm gonna be making set, ten ten total prototypes. We're, keep, we're keeping three of them, and then we're gonna 
we're gonna do a pass around of the next one to a bunch of the bunch of people I, I trust and want to get professional opinion on and then I'm gonna be auctioning or raffling the rest of the 10 prototypes and oh, then nice. from from there so we're gonna be using the the different options and styles uh, we're gonna do something different on each one and we're gonna sell those and then after that we're gonna start production runs so Right on. See ya. It's too early to say uh, when when to look for these uh, with dealers. Probably in the next in the in the early twenty twenty. Probably. Yeah, I, I I was hoping to like my goal is to shoot for the end of the year. Try to get a first big batch out. That's probably uh, pretty aggressive, but but. Uh, I'll definitely be sharing updates and stuff and how things are going and people can stay up to date with that. It seems like Instagram is definitely your, your chosen um, social media platform these, these days. Yeah. I mean, as with everyone else, Instagram's great for the community besides, you know, some political things, but uh, yeah, Instagram's great for marketing and, found my customer base and it all helps there we go let's go now now i remember speaking to your blade show maybe last year i think you do pretty well and cool like it's just it's nothing to do with knife making but i was talking to you about business and how you run a lot of your stuff you had a lot of merch and you had you just launched the new website which looked great back then uh you you tell me that you usually try to keep everything in, in locally in the community so all the outsource work you usually do is around your neighborhood and in your community which is pretty cool how you're giving back to your area with all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. I mean, most of it's convenience for me. I, I, <laughs> there isn't, so where I live, really, the only things I outsource are water jet. Um, for custom knives, I got my water jet uh, handles cut, and that's basically just a rectang rectangular blank that I work from. But yeah, as far as that goes, I, I, I'm not really sure where I'm going to move with that in the future but um yeah i mean I, i'll always love to give back to the community i try to try to work with people and build relationships and work close and all that it's a, it's a good good way to do it you know to uh it is definitely it's it's a tight-knit community overall and certainly the as i'm sure you know at this point the, the ballet song community is even even more niche inside of, inside of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I always uh, push people if if they're in the local area and they're a customer, I tell them, hey, come by my shop and you know pick up your knife when it's finished. Or you know, even if you're not ordering a knife from me, swing by and you know we can talk knives. I'll I'll show you what I do here and and help you out with you know. So I have a couple of friends that are start starting in uh, knife making and you know, I love just bring them to my shop talking knives you know working on equipment figuring out new ideas um, I love having people over and, and you know just working together right on so now do you um, do you reach out to other valley uh, makers like do you have like a sort of regular conversation with with other guys doing what you're doing or sort of just you know what you're doing, and uh, you're sort of doing it. 
I, I do a little bit, just a little bit of communication, mainly on Instagram. But um, I, I mainly have a pretty good direction as far as where I'm going. Uh, I, there are some makers that I really look up to and, and bounce ideas off of and, you know, just talk as, you know, a fellow maker in the community. Uh, it's definitely something I enjoy doing. There we go. Yeah, like kind of kind of sharing, you know, perspectives. I guess everybody is is on that on that maker level can sort of relate to each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yep. Which makers uh, specifically do you really look up towards? Like any favorites? Yeah. So I've been following John Grimsmo for a long time. Back when yeah. I before I started making knives, I loved watching his videos, and that's some. That's a uh, that's a guy I look up to as far as you know business planning and and motivation and the way he you know his his term full Grimsmo you know really resonates with me you know trying to reach perfection in every area uh, but other than you know the Grimsmo guys and their business I you know Bally Ballistic Sean uh, like Jeff Dumas. Uh, God, there's there's so many that that I look up to in the community, just as other makers, because their work is so profound. Yeah. And, and there's too many to list, but mm-hmm. probably a lot of ballet guys, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sean, Plenty Sean, out there. Sean is is killing it, man. He's, oh yeah. Is not. Oh yeah. Now, we've only really talked about your ballys, but what about your folders? I've seen some of your work before. Any plans for those with the CNC? Uh, not, not yet, no. Um, it's, it's a harder market to get into, I'm sure you're aware, uh, especially coming from a, a pretty good uh, withholding or a, a pretty good foothold in the uh, ballet song market now. It's, it's hard to move into... You know, making it worthwhile to make folders, even though I love doing it. It's when I when I find the time to do it. Sometimes it takes me a week to make a folder, which is quite a long time for compared to Bally Song. But yeah, um, everyone else does the other thing, other way around. Bally Song is double, so it takes a lot longer. Like as far as the amount of work. Yeah, everything. You got you got two backspacers. You got to sand everything. <laughs> four, you got four handles of sand, like a lock of detail. Like I said, I, I tune and set a lock of detail in like 15 minutes, but like it's the sanding and finishing everything is double. Right. Valley. Yeah, that's true. That's like true. I'm working on some valleys now, and all, all the CAD and CAM is twice as long. All my fixtures are twice as big. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, I guess it's, it's just what I'm used to. And, you know, transitioning to a, a different style for anyone is, you know, there's there's pros and cons and trade-offs uh but as far as folders go i love making them and i i feel like i'm i'm getting it but it's not really worth my time especially since i i've had a harder time selling them um you know to keep keep bills paid and keep me going i i don't (laughs) it works better for me i don't think it's because you're saying it's uh because it's hard to get the folder market it, I just noticed that it usually happens to people who try to do everything, which unfortunately is what I'm trying to try right now. But like when you make everything, it's you kind of never really works out. I notice. 
the guys that make ballets when they try to make folders, it doesn't sell the best, and kind of vice versa. Yeah, it's very different communities that just kind of seem like they're the same community because it's something that cuts, but it's very different. Yeah, especially now how 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 big the ballet community has grown, it's kind of its own thing. Like there's this local kid that comes by my shop every month. He's pretty big in the ballet community. He's pretty known by a lot of people. And like I mentioned, folder guys' names, and he knows no one. Like even big names, is like I don't know who that is. I'm like, and he'll yeah. mention like ballet guys. I'm like, yeah, I don't know who that is. Yeah. I learned quite a bit from him. But like I didn't realize how many custom ballet guys there were until he started coming to my shop and like bringing them by every time. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. And there's there's definitely people that bridge both communities and yeah. collectors and and makers and stuff. But that'd be that'd be really cool to see you know, in the future, how, you know, the two different communities, so to say, uh, kind of merge together because, you know, it's, it's all knife making and they're all knives and tools and, and, uh, their similarities and differences, but. Well, yeah. I think too, like, like I've noticed, um, having talked with collectors and stuff, I mean, a lot of it is the, you know, I hate for it to sound like that too, but I mean, we, we did mention that earlier. It's like there's there's sort of the two different, you know, aspects of of ballet songs, which is the sort of the younger set, which is highly interested in in getting their whole their hands on one and and using it and flipping it, and then there's the other end of the spectrum, which is the sort of generally maybe you know older collector who's just interested in the in the the knife itself and doesn't necessarily see it as maybe they see it as a ballet song, but they see it as, you know, a regular work of art, like a folder is, and they just really appreciate knife making. Um, and right at, at, at a point, the price can be, you know, very expensive as regular folders are, but it's like, um, they, they do collect folders and ballet songs, which, which right. is a, it's, it's an interesting thing with ballet songs, how, how that works like that. Um, Cause I do, do talk to makers about that too, where it's like, now we're seeing a lot of, um, with flipper style ballet songs and less like tactical style ballet songs. Like I remember a time when people wanted like the fast opening single handed knife, mm -hmm. you know, the, the smaller bench maids, the morphos used to fit into that category perfectly. Uh, and now people are looking for something without a latch, without a clip that, that isn't necessarily a carry piece, but more of a, like a trick piece. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to understand, hard to grasp sometimes. Um, and I, I can definitely uh, resonate with what you say because some, you know, I've gotten requests for, you know, latches on my ballet songs. Well, if I start making latches, most slippers, or not latches, sorry, the pocket clips. So um, you, you always have latches. Yeah, well, I mean, latches could work too, but most flippers don't even want to latch. But like, right. you know, I don't, I, how could you have a ballet song without a latch? Like if you go to use it or put it in your pocket, you know, it's going to come open, could cut yourself. So there's features and design aspects of both styles and knives that like I have to, you know, take into account when, when I'm making something for somebody or, or you know, or making a production knife that I, I want to get in the hands of everyone. Well, everyone's a little different. You can't, you can't please everybody, but that that's why at that point you just got to make what you want to make and I hope that the market's there to the community's there to support you. Have you ever yeah. thought about maybe uh, doing like an asymmetric ballet, like a more like art style ballet, like not necessarily one that you could flip? 
Oh yeah, I see. Like with curved hand handles and mm-hmm. you know weird yeah. contours. I thought about it, but you know until now I had a manual and I was like, "There's, <laughs> there's no way I can do this with manual and you know a grind. You know, not without a horizontal grinder." But I guess now with the CNC, it's possible. But oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't really uh, have an interest in that. I'd probably keep doing straight handles for a while. Yeah. There goes Eliza. There goes Eliza's plug. <laughs> what plug? Yeah. Oh yeah. England uh, for the uh, the contractive. <laughs> yeah. Can't do it. Adam, is there a is there a, a ballet song that you've designed that you haven't gotten able to build yet because you haven't had the time or it's too far out or just in general do you, you feel like you've You've looked at all your designs and you've chosen the best ones, or, or is there is there one that's just waiting waiting to be made? Uh, no, I've pretty much every idea I've had has come to life at some point in a custom or, you know, in just a, a random hand built knife that I've made and sold, whether auction or is one I sent to, you know, you, if at PVK. Um, the, pretty much all my ideas have have surfaced at this point and I guess Valor was the most recent one where I guess if you would have asked me that a month ago I would have said this Valor but um, no I don't really have any designs hiding in the dark as of now there you go well I mean that's that's good though I mean you have you have something you you make it come to life and that's like the fruition of that of that idea and into a knife yeah and that that's why you've seen so many different styles and handle patterns and blade finishes and handle finishes and stuff it's like every idea i have i i try it when i get the opportunity loving it man yeah as far as like design stuff like uh how many folders have you sat down and drawn like just the one or you got more on the way maybe um i've i've made probably like five or six different designs folders. Um, yeah. I made one for a friend a few years ago. That was a one-off. Uh, I made a M1. I named it M1, uh, which I, I got 10 water jet, you know, handles for that. And mm-hmm. I haven't made all of them yet, but I don't really have any sketches that are uh, waiting to be made into reality yet. Cause I've just focused on ballet songs and, I do I do spend some time uh, just sketching blades and stuff, but even with that, the blades I've sketched, I've I've made pretty much all of them. Nice. That's way to do it. Yeah. Don't if leave anything could... left alone. You got to make everything that you draw. That's yeah. The way to go. Unless it's just hideous. Where <laughs> there are <laughs> cases where I've made had a hideous design and I, you know I throw it out. But just just keep working on it until it looks good. Yeah. <laughs> if you could collab with with anybody, um, ballet song maker or otherwise, who do you think it might be? Well, I have a collab right now in the works with uh, John Swordson, uh, Rotten Design. Nice. Oh, well, that's good. there we go. Yeah. So before Blade Show, I I put a, a ballet song together. You know, basic blocky handles. I milled the handle pattern and I fit as much blade steel as I could into him and I, I sent it to him uh we were hoping to get it done for uh blade show 
uh, this year, 2019, and uh, it didn't quite happen, but he still has it, and it's going to be it's going to be pretty neat when he gets it done, whenever that is. But other than that, I'd love to collab with Jerry Holm. He makes incredible Valley songs, and Sean, uh, Valley Ballistic, and you know some of the other makers I mentioned that I look up to. Grismo Valley, I got you. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that'd work out. I mean, they're in Canada, so. Uh, I can see so something working out. About it. <laughs> yeah, I I actually asked. Uh, I think I talked to Eric. I was like, "Well, I'd love to see you guys make a ballet song. It'd be epic." And you know, that didn't seem really like they were going to head in that direction anytime soon. But that'd be really neat to see. There you go. Do you do you talk to Sean on on Instagram? I have a little bit, yeah, but I mean, not a whole lot. We have bounced around the idea of doing a collab too, but that's still yet to come. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it, man. I, I totally. I'll put. I'll put a good word in for that. That, that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, what about a collab with you, Nick? Oh, we'll there work on it. We were supposed to do the ballet. Uh, I haven't really been like that's what you were saying. When I was making a joke earlier. I'm like, oh, I'm very good at that. Whatever I have in my mind, just get to it and make that. Unfortunately, ever since I, my dad joined on full time about five months ago, I haven't been able to do anything new. Uh, gotcha. Thankfully, he, he was gone for about 10 days right now. So I did kind of finish up the CAD work on my belly. The original <laughs> one I designed was so tight because I designed like a folder maker where I wanted mm-hmm. the ratios to be super tight. Uh, but that didn't really work out because I didn't accommodate for the amount of flex that are in the handles. Yeah. And how much they move in time, and so after I made like a rough prototype, and it just didn't. It worked at first, but not really. And I had water jet parts cut out, so I was trying to make the parts work. So yeah. I spent way too much time trying to make those parts work, and I was just, I just, I just I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna start over." That's what I pretty yeah. much did. We still I'll got pop. the parts and stuff ready, kind of. I, to I have parts it. for like ten to fifteen sets. Uh, eight knives. Uh, what I'm probably gonna do with those is, is like all one-offs. Probably no latch. No clip, just probably like a leather sheath, because uh, the only way to make those right is if I take away the latch and uh, move the backspacer down a bit to make it work properly without like a, a, a like worry about it wearing within a year and the edge starting to contact the spacer. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the once past that will be a bit different. Uh, but yeah, I have to get on that. Hopefully, I'll have some prototypes to me in California. Okay, should have. Cool. Because I'm I'm simplifying it. Probably just gonna put a spa- uh, some back uh, standoffs on that. These first ten, just to get a made to, to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, I'll be here if you ever want to, you know, work together. Looking yeah, so that's pretty much it. like you're doing with the uh, rod, and uh, I pretty much have a blade design that's as much metal that fits in that handle as possible. Yeah, the insides the, the, the they're timed. For open and close, and then just a chunk of steel that fits into the max ratio of the handle, and that's what I was, I was sending out to makers for them to reshape and grind them as, as they please or whatever. Because the handles, I'm just gonna, they're gonna be through a CNC mold completely, so there's no point in sending those out to makers unless they do some like unique finishes that are unique to their to their yeah. style. Cool. Well, yeah, definitely working on that. I really want to get off. I, I really need to get that off the ground because. Uh, uh, and you're trying to buy a bigger house by the end of the year. Exciting. 
yeah, this, this one's not doing that anymore. I need more than 10 tools. I, I really need 18 tools, so I got to get something. That's, there's only one machine I can get because uh, anything bigger won't fit in my shop. Yeah. I have to get out, unfortunately. But the bigger machines are cheaper. They're cheaper. Uh, yeah, because there's more available. Like the Haas VF2, it's the most popular machine, so there's tons of those out there that are used. Oh, oh, for on the used market. Okay. Yeah, like like I have a Haas Mini Mill. They hold their value very well because mm-hmm. I need. They're great for production. They're great for garage people. Like I bought mine under value four years ago. It's actually worth what I paid for it four years ago right now because I paid for it under value back then. And uh, a VF2, they're so popular. Like a a pretty loaded VF2, like a 2010, I could get for like 35 grand. But the wow. equivalent, uh, but the equivalent options on a Super Mini Mill too. Probably like 40, 42 grand. Yeah. And then they're yeah. rare to find is also the problem. VF2s, they're all day, every day. Any any variation you want. With the Super Minimal 2, uh, it's just kind of like what's there is what's going to be there. And I have to budget in like getting a probe and some additional features. Because right. like they're, they're very limited, unlike the VF2s, which like you kind of find at whatever variations you please because they're, they're so popular. And it's yeah. cheaper. I, I looked into getting a Minimal. Uh, from a Haas, and I guess I found out what you kind of just described. They were, they were a little over my budget, and I was kind of surprised by that. I thought they would be uh, more in line with, yeah, with the Tormach. Um, but you know, I guess I just found the Tormach and went with that. But I, I ran the numbers time and time again, and every single person told me, "Don't get the Tormach, get the Haas." Yeah, uh, a, a fully loaded Tormach, like I needed, with the equivalent of the Haas Mini Mill. Was the price of the used another fifteen hundred dollars, and I had the used Haas, uh, and it's a it's a different machine. Like I I ran the Tormach once, and I was like, this is this is a toy. Hmm. Like, I was like, oh, what, how, what do I cut this at? He tells me the speeds and feeds. And I'm like, that, really? Like that that that's the pass? Okay, like, I guess. Like it's 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 a horsepower and a half machine. Uh, yeah. I don't know. M's a little more, I think. And then the M also has its own actual, it's not a Tormach spindle, right? It actually has like a cat spindle. Yep. Or BT. Yeah, it has an R8. Oh, R8. It's still pain. (laughs) The the MX has the BT30. Oh, okay. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, yeah, it's the black machine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like I looked at it, I did the math, I'm like, it doesn't make sense. And I ran them, they're slow, they're hassle, and then like everyone who had a Tormach I talked to, they constantly were taking them apart and fixing them, which I didn't really want to do. And I, I know guys who got Tormox the same time I got my mill, and they must have taken the mill apart five to ten times in four years. I literally never maintained this machine once in four years. Like, I, as when I say literally nothing, besides that oil to the, the whey oil and change the coolant, I've done nothing. Mm. I really should get my ass in this machine and, like, take off the covers, but it's a small machine. I'm a big dude. Last time I got in there to clean it out, like after G10 car fiber, I actually like damaged my knee for about six months. So <laughs> I had to put it off. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's definitely good to know. And moving forward, I mean, there are things that I'd like to be different on the Tormach, but I guess anything I get after this will be an upgrade. Yeah. You got like a 2004 Haas Mini for like 20 grand. Yeah. You got a, 2000, a 2001, 2002 with a prior controller for like 17, 18 grand. And that that's a machine that'll that'll kick out production. Like I trust this machine. I've never had it. Not, like when you said like Fusion uploaded some weird stuff, I've never had that happen. And I, but I hear that often with Farmbox. People are like, oh, it's Fusion. I'm like, it's not Fusion, because that never like that never ever happens in any other machine. 
Yeah. Maybe okay. once in like a red moon it might happen, but like in four years, I've never had the machine just do its own thing. And I, I tore mock everyone's like, oh, it always loses its Z point. I'm like, does that ever happen to your house? I'm like, uh, no, that scares the shit out of me. I run three trace mills most of the time. So like if my if my machine loses its Z point, like it's gonna crash a three inch cutter or some big shit, and like it's gonna get expensive. Oh yeah, yeah, I've had that happen on my Tormach actually today, having to re reference the axes because you know if I hit the E stop, well now it's got to be re referenced and the reference point's gonna be different, so I have to check all my work offsets, all my tool offsets, and and so on. So does it have a universal home? Uh, it's based on limit switches on the XYZ travel. So it does have a home position, but it could be different from time to time. <laughs> okay, that sounds terrifying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just used to coming in and turning on my machine, hitting the, uh, uh, turn, uh, turning off the e-stop, because I usually turn the e-stop on every time I leave, plugging in the light, hitting the warm-up cycle, making some coffee, getting back to the machine. It's like, yeah. if, I, if I was cutting, if I'm still cutting what I cut yesterday, I literally just load the same parts and hit the green button. I, I have to literally leave my machine on 24-7 so that I don't have to re-reference the axes, which gives me repeatability. Otherwise, if I turn off my machine, I have to, you know, re recheck my offsets, re-zero things, which is pain. That is, but That is horrifying. Yeah, because to me it's like oh, like oh, did I forget that I do it? Or mainly around New York, it's not that bad. Problem is, I'm in a very old neighborhood where my shop is, so the wiring here is old. So if it's really thundery, I do have uh, like surges, and I imagine with a Tormach that'll be bad. Yeah, uh, yeah, but with their my thing, if it stops, I just turn on the machine again and hit go again. Yeah, and the MX uh, series now. Um... With the uh, instead of stepper motors, they have servos and they know their position all the time, whether it's on or off. And that's an upgrade I'm looking to get pretty soon because that'll solve a lot of my issues. Do you know if you could have get boxways or it's only dovetails? Um, I, I don't know because like dovetails, like what your manual mill uses, and like that wears over time. And you have to, like you have gibs, I'm assuming, right? That you have to adjust, yeah. Yeah, like my machine doesn't have Gibbs. The boxways are just they're like that forever. If they go, you just change them. And like they don't they don't adjust. They don't they kind of self adjust. That's what makes it a, a VMC a machining center compared to like a hobby machine essentially. Because if okay. you crash the dovetails, they're gonna bend or something. They're pretty small, or like that'll make damage. Like I've crashed this machine pretty damn serious. Like this machine is probably stronger than a, a VF2 or something like that. Just how small it, it's built and the, the package of it. Uh, from what I was told that when I first got it, I was like it's a good starter machine because like it could take a beating. I've crashed it a few times to where like I destroyed holders and stuff like that, but everything's good. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll, if I do a major crash, I'll just check the spindle, make sure everything's still fine, and never had any issues. And right now, the, I've had the first kind of hiccup in four four and a half years. Uh, I don't really know if it's an issue. It just the the ball bar whenever it changes tools once in a while it makes a weird noise. Which I've never heard before. It's not a grinding noise, but it's like as if the hydraulics are skipping or something like that. I don't, I don't know what's causing that. I'm just, I'm just kind of ignoring it for now. Stop, and then you, you can't hear it. That's fine. Like uh, yeah, it's I, like I just put the headphones in. I just kind of ignore it for now. So it's like there's no exhaust problem. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a car. It's like I was just told like if it's not grinding, just ignore it. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, just turn up the volume. It's yeah, fine. If you're still if you're still getting good parts, then I guess like. Why fix it? It ain't not broke. 
Yeah, that's, it's, it's just the ball bar. But the the ball bar is a scary one because I've seen some like even that happened recently to a CNC machinist on Instagram. If one of your like draw bar uh, the pull studs break in the machine while it's changing or while it's cutting, your spindle's trash. Like I, I forgot who happened to like last this within the week. And like that's another thing. Like that was my biggest fear when I got this machine was like. Uh, all of a because a, a new spindle, like a spindle on the Tarmox, pretty cheap. It's like mm. seven hundred fifty bucks, I think, or twelve hundred bucks. It's a cheap fix too. It's not that hard. Uh, the spindle on a Haas is five thousand dollars. Like, and my machine cost twenty two. Like, I paid twenty two grand for it back then. It's worth about twenty two now. But like, five, that's like a quarter of the machine. It's like, oh god. Wow. That used to that, that used to scare the hell out of me in the beginning. I was like, oh my god, like. If I crash this bad, there goes the spindle or whatever. Because I almost did it like two weeks into the, I had the machine and I hit with the three inch face mill. I hit jog Z down and I went to do a Tau. And I accidentally, my fat fingers hit uh, 100 Tau. So I just was running at 100 a minute. And I just quickly hit E stop like an eighth inch off the vice. And the, the face mill wasn't spinning. So that would have been bad because it would have just been a straight crash. Wow. Yeah. Yep. I, I crashed the face mill. Last month, completely broke the tool holder. I don't yeah, think that's I was... why I, that's why I DM'd you. I was like, yeah, you don't want that many adapters, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, and I since then I got a better setup for it. I got a dedicated shell mill ar- arbor. Have yeah, well, I saw I saw that story. I saw I was like, oh, you don't want that many adapters. I should DM you. I DM you, and I go to the next one, and it's like, oh, it snapped. Okay, oops, figure <laughs> that one out. Well, yeah, got to learn mm-hmm. it somehow. <laughs> Yeah, it actually goes. Start going. But uh, any uh, any other future projects? Looking for other machinery, or uh, anything besides the Valor? Or are you just kind of concentrating down on the Valor right now. I, I'm just concentrating on that right now, and then continue trying to get orders for custom knives. You know, hand built ones, and you know, eventually maybe launch another another design. For production run or mid tech, um, but hopefully I can get another machine here pretty soon. Uh, right now I am located at uh, my parents' house, so that's where I started. My dad has a accessory building where um, I've taken up probably half of it by now. But I'd love to eventually get another machine in, in there. And and do you have three phase? No, I don't. I only have single phase. Just to let you know. If you decide to buy another machine within the year and you're still there, the Haas Mini Mill is the biggest machine you get at single phase. That's the reason I got it. Yeah. Nothing hard. <laughs> what? Nothing. No, people don't realize they, that. The amount of people... A 5% kickback every time he says Haas on this uh, podcast. Little, little... I, should, I should contact him. Like, hey, mm-hmm. we get a sponsor. Are you no, sponsored? Just, that, that was the... No, no. <laughs> uh... That was the reason I got the damn thing because I was like, oh, I'm, I know I'm moving back to New York within the year, and like, there's no three phase in New York at all. Yeah, this turned into the Haas Enthusiasts podcast. <laughs> hey, I like talking about CNC shit. I haven't done it in like a month and a half. Okay, Adam, are, are you, you're still taking custom orders um, during this whole process while while the battle is happening, or you're sort of yes. putting a hold on that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. absolutely. That's that's why it's great to have two extra guys in my shop working with me. You know, there you go. I'm, I'm kind of doing everything, and I got one guy helping me on grunt work on some custom knives, and then the other guy, um, their names are Josh and Greg. Um, Josh is going to be 
um, running production for me on the CNC. And then I'm just going to be bouncing back and forth, you know, keeping up to date with the CNC machine, keep it, keep it going, figuring out problems, uh, evolving design, and then um, continue work, work going on custom knives if I can keep getting orders, which looks pretty good so far. So. Yeah, I don't think you have any issues there. Your work looks clean. It's priced fairly. Thank you. And uh, let's see. I hope to have a pass around knife um, in the next month or two. I don't know how many people are going to be included yet, but um, are you guys going to Blade West? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Sweet. I unfortunately won't be able to go this year. because. Uh, Cali and Blade West, back to back. It's a lot of travel for me, at least. I know it is a lot for you guys, too. But um, I'm going to try to have uh, one of my prototypes there and try to get it around to as many hands as possible. Maybe you guys can get a feel for it. Oh, nice. Okay, so there will be a prototype there. I'd definitely love to check it. I'm going to aim for it, yeah, if the timing works out. Um, I might end up shipping it to matt cook and getting his opinion too um because he's in portland so so we'll see yeah i'll i'll definitely keep you guys in the loop hey, Elijah, if you ever get out there time. you should yeah we we met him a year ago but i was in his shop uh not too long ago a few months ago watching him uh grind freehand pretty interesting if you ever make it out there definitely i'll have to go over and take a visit it's pretty yeah. cool seeing him work I haven't, I haven't met him, but he's a character. <laughs> yeah, he, he uses that good old belly jig. Yeah, just watch your, uh, watch yourself belly when you rock. go to shake hands with him. Why? I get injured. <laughs> uh, you'll find out soon enough. <laughs> he has like fangs yeah. on his hands. He's got very aggressive hands. He's worked with his hands for a very long time. So how did the? Uh, the gathering go for you guys. Did you have a good time? It was good. Yeah, it was pretty fun. I sold my stuff. I, I had a good vacation. I had a good recovery after said vacation. There you go. Um, yeah, the gathering's always like a, a really fun show, but it's like my like I always feel like I have to like host. So like I, I have fun going to other oh, shows. Right aren't like at home because like when i'm here like everybody comes by the shop and it's always awesome to see everybody but um it's like me having a table at a show so everybody just like comes to the shop all the time and hang- and hangs out which is great but uh yeah it was it was uh, it was a good show it, it's like how we go to a, like blade show and we work until six and after we hang out with everyone and have fun uh, at him after six is when everyone like just starts rushing the shop because uh, they don't know what else to do. Right. Yeah. So you're mm-hmm. Jeremiah. You're just as busy or more more busy in the gathering as the uh, the people who exhibit. Yeah, because well, we're running the regular day to day around here, and then yeah. the show gets out, and then all these guys come over and like, dude, what's up, bro? And then like they're <laughs> out at the shop. And I'm like trying to coordinate like the ongoings there, and then the ongoings like behind the scenes here. So let me yeah. Elijah just jump in there. Yeah, and hey, then they buddy. up and they just like sit around and like 
you know, drink soda all day. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Okay. <laughs> hey, I hey, I worked for you for like two full days. This trip, yeah, it's so true. It's true. Nick, fair. Nick mm-hmm. did, I also Nick, didn't stop over there often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nick, Nick, uh, Nick did some work, and Elijah watched Nick do work. So it was it was a productive. Uh, it was it was it was good. Yeah. Very nice. No, the gathering the gathering is a blast. If if you get it, if you get a chance come and check it out it's it's a nice intimate show like like new york show i don't, I don't know if you plan on, on doing that one but have you ever been to vegas though uh, i've been to vegas for family vacation years ago but uh haven't been there recently i wanted to make it out this year to go to the gathering and swing by the you know pbk but yeah. didn't happen so it's, it's, it's a definitely a fun show especially if you're a person like like me who enjoy, who enjoys vegas it's one of the main reasons I justified the trip because it is an expensive trip. <laughs> uh, but it was my first time exhibiting there, which is pretty cool. Thankfully, it went well. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how the show goes. It was it was a different show this year. Yeah, I've, I've only been to uh, Blade Show, Blade Show East and West, and only exhibited at Blade Show East. So I'd love to go to a different show, see what. You know, kind of different atmosphere uh, they have. It, that, this one's pretty different because it's like yeah, everyone's usually a pretty hardcore collector. You don't have the guy that kind of wakes up and it's like, oh, how much is this? Uh, oh, it's a thousand dollars, and they kind of like, oh my god, and like slowly back away. Yeah, <laughs> like I play show. Yeah, I, I always like those guys because they try to guess them when they walk up to my table. And like, if 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 I could tell they are one of those guys and they ask me how much, I'm like seven thousand dollars because I like to see the facial reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll just be like, it's seven, it's a seven hundred dollar knife. I'll be like, it's seven thousand dollars, and they get they get all shocked. They put that knife down, and just like slowly back away while looking me in the eyes. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the first years I was at Blade Show, you know, I called, I kind of fall victim to that because I was at Daryl Ralph's booth. And I saw one of their new prototypes, and I was like, oh, how much? How much is that? And the guy's like, thirty five. I'm like, oh, $35? He's like, $3,500. <laughs> and so I, yeah, I kind of shied away, and, and that kind of put me into perspective what I was getting into. And that was before, I mean, I, I think I, I was making knives at that point, but I had no idea that people would pay that much for a single knife, and so it kind of threw me for a loop. But we all have to have that experience sometimes. So you, you knew about Blade Show before you realized how expensive some customs are? Um, yeah, yeah, so, like, I, I went there and didn't know that there were knives priced that high, I guess. Mm. Oh, that's nothing. I've seen, I've, literally, my first year of Blade Show, I saw a $100,000 transaction happen, and I was like, what? Some bodyguards wow. and everything. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was for a gold, it was one of those, it was one of those gold knives. Uh, those bodyguard, those two bodyguards, a suitcase full of cash, <laughs> and a giant wooden box with a knife, and I was like, "Huh, okay, huh. wow." So, Adam, what's uh, what's your next show that you're planning on going to? Um, uh, it'll probably be Blade Show next June. Okay. I'll be exhibiting again. So, other what's other than state that, are you in again? Indiana. Yeah, so it's just a ten-hour drive. Yeah. How do you like it up there uh, in Indiana? Born uh, and raised, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I was born in Michigan, um, mm. and now I'm about two and a half hours from where I was born, so I'm kind of in the same area I have been all my life. 
Uh, I guess with most people, most Hoosiers, you'll ask, uh, they'll probably say, you know, a lot of cornfields and a lot of flat ground and it's pretty boring. So that's the gist. Yeah. Yeah. I have some community friends in Indiana. Yeah. Uh, they, They don't live too far from the city. Yeah. Are you a musician at all? You play an instrument? Uh, n- none at all. No, I mean I no. played saxophone and. I know the uh, yeah, the Sweetwater stores up there and uh. Oh yeah. The largest. Yeah. In town. I've been there. It's, yeah, it's pretty intense. It's pretty cool. Are you? I mean, you sound like you're into music and stuff, Elijah. You've been to mm-hmm. in the area and Sweetwater. Or... Yeah, I was there uh, not too long ago, actually. Um, me and my dad drove up through there to go grab something, some kind of machine, and yeah, uh, yeah we stopped in, and it was pretty interesting. I think I'm a bob of some sort. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um, so, Adam, did we uh, did did we miss anything that we that we should be asking you, or you want to uh, you want to share anything that that hasn't been shared yet? Any other plugs you'd like to make? Um, I don't know. Um, I'm sure there's stuff that that I can't think of. Um, that's that's usually the case. We yeah. it's usually like uh, two hours afterwards. Like, oh shit! Like should have said this. Um, well, what? How about this? What's the, the what's the best way for people to get in contact with you and, and stay up to date with uh, with Valor News? Uh, yeah. So. My website has some a uh, lot of features on it where you can like sign up, submit orders. Uh, I have so you might like this, Jeremiah. Um, there's a place on my website where retailers can sign up to you know to uh, resell the valor and stuff. So there's a place for retailers to get info, and then there's a place for people who are interested, just individuals, to sign up and get newsletters and stuff. Uh, that's highballknives.com. Um, that's also where I have uh, custom orders submitted. I have a built-in order form uh, built in on the website. And other than that, Instagram, at highballknives. And people get my last name wrong all the time, like as far as the pronunciation. Um, it's highball. Not Hebel or Hable or whatever. So H E I B E L type spell it. Yeah, the pronunciation can be tricky, especially when other people say their name. Uh, I can. Yeah, some people get it right, and it's pretty surprising. Um, but I was giving them a thumbs up if they do. Cool. All right, so people should definitely definitely go check out uh, Adam's website if you haven't already, and um, and definitely his Instagram. There's progress shots on there. Uh, good good way to, to keep an eye out and watch watch that valor come together. I, I know I'm excited to to see it, and and it sounds like there'll be a prototype at Blade West, so it'll be cool to get some hands on it and, and do some flipping. I'm hoping for it, and. Uh... Yeah, as far as uh, retailers go, um, Jeremiah, looking forward to doing business with you if you're interested in uh, getting those in, in your shop. 
Yeah, heck yeah, man. Absolutely. Can't wait. All right. That that'll that'll be uh that'll be pretty epic. Yeah, um, I'm I'm looking forward to getting feedback from the prototypes and the pass around and see if there's any more changes we could you know we can make uh, to make it best best of the best flipping wise and aesthetics and just really excited about it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's a it's it's a small community, but still. You know, you, you always want it to be as best as it can be. Yeah, I have a hard time letting letting any imperfection slip by. Actually, so the other yesterday, I I was assembling a finished custom ballet song, and I was putting in one of the screws in the handle, and it slipped and it scratched the anode on the handle. <laughs> That's like my worst nightmare because it takes forever to. You know, get the, get all the scratches out, get the anodizing setup out, just to remove one scratch. So I'd, you know, that's that's one of the worst things ever. And like I'll, I'll look at, it, I'm like, nah, no one's gonna notice. Yeah, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. And I'm like, two seconds later, I'm like, no. Yeah, like oh, I I just really need to fix this. Otherwise, someone's gonna see it. And of course, people um, don't always find the imperfections. But as the maker, you see every single flaw in the knife. It's just I guess what I what I do, I, I try to get everything as perfect as, as I can possibly get it. And uh, um, I guess perfect is a standard based on whoever whoever holds it. So to me, my perfect is the best I can do. And I'm, as long as that's the case, I'm going to fix every flaw that I see until I, I think the knife is good and ready, perfect to my standards. So killing it man that's that's the way to do it keep keep that quality high and and uh and you know pe- people see that in the work and and they know um they know you put your heart and soul into it yeah that's definitely what i strive for right. by no means my knives are the best or or whatever but i'm just doing what i can to make best thing i can yeah no, right on right on lot of other good makers out there that in my opinion do it better than i than me but <laughs> i say it's a good point to start ending it we're starting to repeat ourselves uh, before we do our outro just ask once more anyone have anything else to say um no i'm, I'm good okay with that said uh nick Truprin of ncc knives out Oh, it's Isham of Isham Bladeworks, signing off. This is uh, Jeremiah Burbank from PVK Vegas. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Adam. It's been- yep. Adam Heibel of Heibel Knives. Thank you guys for hosting me and bringing me on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm.